Welcome to the Word of God. We're so happy that you could join us today as we look at the lectionary scripture readings for this week, which you will find posted on this podcast. And I hope you'll take the time to read through these scriptures. We have been in 2 Kings and 1 Corinthians and Matthew for a couple of weeks now. And we take the time each day to read these sets of scriptures so that we may have a better understanding of the way God is working, a better understanding across a cross-section of scripture. So we have Kings, which we've been talking about for several weeks now, and we will continue that process. Today we're going to see some historical realities that beset the northern kingdom, Israel, that proved to be catastrophic. And we will talk about why that's happened. Secondly, we will look at 1 Corinthians and extend our study of 1 Corinthians, which, as I said last week, was 16 chapters. Paul is responding to issues in Corinth, particularly sexual issues, because they were quite deviant. Now, remember, Paul is evangelizing to the Romans, Corinthians, Colossians, Philippians, etc. And they are coming out of a pagan environment and they can't go back and do what they have done before. And it's not easy to make that transition from living out in the flesh to living in the world of the spirit. So there are problems. Paul answers the problems. We have those in his 13 letters that we have from the Lord and it becomes God's eternal word. So it is a timeless book, timeless. Then finally, we continue our study of the Sermon of the Mount, culminating in chapter 7, and then extending through chapter 8, where Jesus is back in his ministry. He's teaching in 5, 6, and 7. He's teaching them the Word of God. He's teaching them principles from the Scriptures, the understanding in... um, The Sermon on the Mount is that there is an understanding of Jewish faith and Jewish practice, the Old Testament. But Jesus is going beyond the Old Testament. I'm sure those of you that have been reading chapter 5 and 6, you've noticed, you've heard that it was said, but I say unto you, I say to you. Now, Jesus is ultimately Lord of the Scriptures. He supports the Scriptures. He supports what God is doing in the Scriptures. But his word regarding the scriptures and his understanding of the scriptures, of course, is fantastically important. So you want to hear what God Almighty says to you. Now, remember, when I talk about God Almighty, I'm talking about Jesus. I'm talking about God the Father, God the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's going to lead us in a relationship with God the Father and with God the Son. All right, let's go back to Kings, Kings, 2 Kings chapter 17. We have a terrible situation happening. In the 12th year of Ahaz, king of Judah, Hashia, the son of Elah, began to reign in Samaria over Israel, and he reigned nine years. Now remember, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom had ten tribes, the southern kingdom had two. Judah and Benjamin. Remember the tribes were set up in judges and divided 
when God gave the people of Israel the land in Joshua, he divided them up according to the sons of Israel. In the northern kingdom, this was the last reigning king. Why? Verse 2. He did evil what was in the sight of the Lord, yet not as the kings of Israel who were before him. He did evil in the sight of the Lord. The king of Assyria, the Assyrians were the ones that destroyed them. Found treachery in Hashia, for he had sent messengers to the king of Egypt and offered no tribute to the king of Assyria, as he had been doing year by year. He shut off the tribute. Therefore the king of Israel shut him up, bound him in prison. Then the king of Israel invaded all the land and came to Samaria and for three years besieged it. <sighs> Destroyed the land. In the ninth year of Hoshea, the king of Assyria captured Samaria. He carried the Israelites away to Assyria, the Assyrian captivity, and placed them in Hala and on the Habor, the river of Gazan, and the city of the Medes. And so they were taken in captivity. He became the last king of Israel. The Assyrians were victorious. When did this happen? 721 B.C. 721. Now, why did this happen? Great question. We have an answer. Verse 7. And this occurred because the people of Israel had sinned against the Lord their God, who had brought them out of the land of Egypt from under the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, and had feared other gods and walked in the custom of the nations, whom the Lord drove out before the people of Israel and in the customs that the kings of Israel had practiced. And the people of Israel did secretly against the Lord things that were not right. And he begins to list the things that they did. In the history books, God tells them, the history books starting with Joshua, God tells them what not to do. The history books are Joshua to Esther. He tells them what not to do. And when we look at the history of Israel, they sinned against the Lord. And they eventually, the northern kingdom was sent in captivity. The southern kingdom is too, but that's not going to happen until 597, 598, 600 B.C. This did not occur because the Assyrians were more powerful. It occurred because the people had sinned against the Lord. Brothers and sisters, you do not want to sin against the Lord. You want to fear the Lord your God, Deuteronomy 8, Deuteronomy 4, Deuteronomy 5, etc. You want, and Moses had told them this earlier in the Pentateuch, fifth book of the Bible, the Pentateuch, Deuteronomy. He tells them how he wants to live, verse 14, but they would not listen. Any of this sound familiar? They were stubborn as their fathers had been, who did not believe in the Lord their God. They despised his statutes and his covenant that he made with the fathers and the warnings that he gave them. And they went after false idols and they became false and they followed the nations that were around them concerning whom the Lord had commanded them that they should not do like them. And they abandoned all the commandments of the Lord. That is made for disaster. You cannot disobey the Lord and survive. Read that section, beautiful section. The second half of chapter 
17 is about Assyria resettling Samaria. To this day, they do according to the former manner, chapter 17, verse 34. They do not fear the Lord. They do not fear the Lord. They do not fear the Lord and they do not follow the statutes or the rulers or the law or the commandments that the Lord has commanded the children of Jacob. Follow the commandments of God, brothers and sisters. Know what the commandments are. Do what the commandments tell you to do. You're going to be a lot better off if you do that. On Tuesday, if you'd like to look at 2 Chronicles 29, 1 through 3 and 30, it will recount this same experience from the Chronicles point of view, the Chronicler. So 2 Kings, after 2 Kings is 1 and 2 Chronicles. 2 Kings 18, verse 9 to 25, talks about Hezekiah's reign in Judah. Now we're going back to the southern kingdom. The northern kingdom has been destroyed. And Hezekiah was a godly man. He was a righteous man. He was a good man. He was a follower of the Lord. And this history lesson here is invaluable. So the 18th chapter, very important chapter to read regarding the history of Israel. And the fact that Judah, unlike Israel, was saved because these were righteous men that followed the Lord. In chapter 19 of 2 Kings, which concludes our week, we have Isaiah reassuring Hezekiah. We have Sennacherib dying and the prayer of Hezekiah. The prayer of Hezekiah. Isaiah also prophesies Sennacherib's fall. Now, What's very interesting about 2 Kings, about this time frame, is that the prophet Isaiah comes into full view. Isaiah has 66 chapters, and he's prophesying during this time. This is a very important time in Israel's history. Southern kingdom is Judah, but the whole thing is called Israel, even though the northern kingdom is known as Israel. The prophet Isaiah is a mighty prophet. He occurs before the captivity, and he is warning the people and warning the kings about God's wrath and God's judgment and admonishing the people to follow the Lord and to do what the Lord tells you to do. Again, this is a beautiful chapter. Enjoy it greatly. So you have the pure history, if you will, the destruction of Israel in chapter 17, and the consequent leaders of Judah who rise up and extend the love of the Lord and the blessing of the Lord to Judah because they were faithful. But inevitably, as we'll see soon, they all fall. 1 Corinthians, and we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 7. Remember we talked about principles for marriage and the advice that he gives. Lead a life that the Lord has assigned you. Lead a life that glorifies the Lord to the unmarried and the widowed. He has a response for them. 
Again, if you need some help in reading this, the um, study Bibles are wonderful. You might even pick up a commentary if you have time to do some reading. But at worst, read the material, even if it's new to you or you haven't read it often or you don't understand. The repetition of reading, the consistency in reading, will go a long way to bless you abundantly. Chapter 8. This is food offered to idols. Now, the Gentiles had practices in their everyday living that caused them to meet up with idols. They became Christian. Then the Jewish people had to figure out what are we going to do with food sacrificed to idols. Now concerning food offered to idols 8.1, we know that all of us possess knowledge. This knowledge puffs up, but love builds up. If anyone imagines that he knows something, he does not know as he ought to know. But if anyone loves God, he is known by God. Therefore, as to the eating of food offered to idols, we know that an idol has no real existence. There is no God but one. So idols are not real. They're just things that people think that they're praying to and think they're paying homage to. But they don't have any power because God is the only God. Now. He explains the significance of God Almighty, but not everybody possesses this understanding of who God is. And so you have food offers to, offered to idols. And so he encourages them how to act appropriately when you're dealing with people of this kind where the offering up to idols is not even a real thing because idols do not exist. Verse 11. And so by your knowledge, this weak person is destroyed, the brother for whom Christ died. Be very careful how the weaker brother can be hurt by a message that's not of the Lord or not loving or not kind. This, thus, sinning against your brothers, verse 12, and wounding their conscience when it is weak, you sin against Christ. Watch the example you make. Don't be too rigid with people. Be careful with them. Many Christians are very young and do not understand. Be kind. Therefore, if food makes my brother stumble, I will not eat meat lest I make my brother stumble. So Paul is basically saying, I know that it's not made of idols, but that guy doesn't know that. If that makes him stumble, don't eat the meat. Alcohol is a great example of this. You may be fine with alcohol, but the person that you're having dinner with or lunch with does not like alcohol and it's very dangerous to them. Don't drink alcohol just because you're fine. Set a good example for your brother. Set a good example of your sister. Be considerate and loving to those that differ from you. In chapter 9 and in chapter 10, we'll close out the two chapters. Paul surrenders his rights as an apostle. In chapter 10, he warns against idolatry. These are very common themes in the scriptures. The Old Testament is full of examples of dealing with the subject of idolatry, and we've talked about it many times. And as an apostle, he establishes his authority. Where did he get his authority? He got it from the Lord. Enjoy these scriptures. Enjoy the depth of them and the profundity of them, the power of them. And I pray that God will bless you abundantly in them. 
Now where we left off in the Sermon of the Mount, remember the Sermon of the Mount is chapter 5 of Matthew 6 and 7, and we are in chapter 6. Do not be anxious. Boy, I tell you, that'd be a beautiful thing to be able to do every, every day. Do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat and what you will drink. Is life, is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. God's going to take care of them. He's going to take care of you. He's going to take care of me. Now, what's important? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added to you. What's your most important priority? Seeking first the kingdom. Seeking the kingdom of God. Seeking him first. Make that the highest priority of your day, of your week. Chapter 7. Jesus talks about judging others. Boy, we could talk a lot about that, can't we? We do not ever want to be judgmental. We have to make decisions in terms of judging things as to whether we'll do them or not, believe them or not, agree to them or not. But we do not want to be judgmental with people. Ask and it will be given you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open. Don't just sit and wait. Pursue the Lord. Be proactive, be active, and God will bless you. The golden rule, which I'm sure you have heard of. So whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also for, to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Enter by the narrow gate. The gate is wide and the way is easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. The road to hell is wide open. Lots of people entering. The gate is narrow. The way is hard that leads to eternal life. And those who find it are few. I wish it was broad. I wish it was easy. I wish you didn't have to do very much. Not true. Again, this is why I read the scriptures on a regular and consistent basis. Otherwise, I deceive myself into thinking something that's not true and acting upon that bringing no blessing or life to me at all by the Lord. So I need to do the will of God, but I can't do it if I don't know what it is. A tree and its fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, uh, verse 18. And a diseased tree cannot bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. You will recognize people by their fruits. You will recognize them by their fruits. Build your house on a rock, the famous ending of Matthew chapter 7. Folks, the wind and the waves are going to come up. There's going to be problems in this life. All of you know that. All of us know that. Follow the Lord. Hear these words of mine. Build your house on a rock. You will not go wrong. And finally, chapter 8, he cleanses the leper. There's another healing with the faith of the centurion. Again, he heals. He goes into Peter's house and brings healing to his mother-in-law. But the cost of following Jesus is not easy. So again, we go back to everyday living and we find out he's in journey. He's in process. He is spreading the kingdom of God. He is teaching. He is healing people. He is cleansing people. He is ministering in the power of the Spirit. And he's even calming the wind and the waves. He has power over nature. He can raise people from the dead. He is truly an extraordinary person. 
Save us, Lord, we're perishing. Verse 25. He said to them, why are you afraid, O you of little faith? He rose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. And the men marveled, saying, what sort of man is this, that even the winds and the sea obey him? As you look at the week and as you go through these scriptures, enjoy them. The hardship of Israel. The future hardship of Judah, although Hezekiah is a good guy. Dealing with the Corinthians and their problems and their difficulties. And finally, the fantastic words of the Sermon on the Mount and the extension of Jesus' ministry by doing amazing things. The gift of God to you is the scriptures and him speaking to you through the scriptures and encouraging you, rebuking you, challenging you, changing you, transforming you according to the scriptures. May they be a great benefit to you this week and a great blessing. We'll share scriptures for you next week that I hope will do the same. God bless you.